Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Just go ahead and lift those hands to the Lord. Let's honor Him tonight. Father, we are so grateful to be gathered together here at this time. Lord, that You have scheduled this night on Your calendar to meet here together with us and to reveal to us of your word and to impart into us by your spirit. And Lord, we bring our hunger to what you have prepared for us tonight. Lord, we bring our desire to increase and grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the equipping of your word. And so, Father, as we enter into this time tonight, I ask you for every hungry heart, Lord, that it would be that it would be uh, filled with the light of your word and the wisdom of your word and the strength of your spirit. Father, that you would uh, bring out of me everything that they need in the name of Jesus. And we trust you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Say amen as you're being seated. Praise the Lord. So good to see each and every one of you here with us tonight for our first night of Living Proverbs 31 Ladies Conference. We're so glad to have the opportunity. We have a ladies Bible study on a monthly basis, uh, but we set aside this, this special time uh, in spring and then again in the fall. We have uh, some things planned in the fall uh, for a conference uh, for the ladies as well. Uh, but it's a time for us to grow. And it's a time for us to uh, give our attention and pull ourselves away from all of our responsibilities and assignments and bring ourselves at the feet of the Lord so that he can impart of his word to us. Uh, Living Proverbs 31 is an assignment that the Lord has placed in my life as pertaining to my ministry to the ladies in our, our church here as well as in our Little Rock campus and it's not so much the theme of the conference as it is an assignment on our lives uh, that we can live out the wisdom of Proverbs 31. And the word wisdom, I found an interesting definition for you, a biblical definition of this word wisdom. It's a mastery in the art of living in accordance with God's standards. I'll repeat that for you. A mastery in the art of living in accordance with God's standards. So every time that we come together, whether it's for a Bible study or for our uh, conferences, we're, we're gaining skill and proficiency in living in accordance with God's standards. One more time, wisdom is a mastery in the art of living in accordance with God's standards. And it's a process that occurs every day. Every day we interact with the Word of God. Every day we feed on the Word. It is the food for our spiritual growth. And we can train ourselves to receive wisdom. Not just hear it, but receive it. 
hearing is part of receiving. But you know, when Jesus was teaching in the parable of the sower, uh, there were all of the types of soil that heard the word, but only one of it kept and maintained. They, it says they heard it and they received it and brought forth. And that's what we've got to train ourselves to do is to not just be a hearer of the word, but receive it into our lives to the point that we began living it out. And that's why I say we're living the wisdom of Proverbs 31. We're living out the word. And so our interaction with the word is vital. And tonight I have a specific assignment as pertaining to the word of God because when... Uh, often we approach the word just as a teaching instrument, just as uh, something that's going to provide knowledge of God's ways, and that is correct. But as we begin to study in the Bible, we find out that God also identifies his word as a weapon for us. That it's not just something that we use to receive from God, but it's also something that he has equipped us with so that we can resist the devil, so that we can stand against and use like a weapon against sickness, against lack, against things that come against our family. And to know how to use the word as a weapon is just as important as knowing how to use the word as an instrument to receive from God, an instrument to build our faith and strengthen us in the receiving. We also build our faith and strengthen ourselves in the resisting. And so Ephesians chapter 6, I want to look just at verse 17. In this description of the armor of God, we find... victory from the onset all the way through. It says that when we put on the armor of God, we will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, that we can take unto ourselves the whole armor of God and we will be able to withstand in the evil day. And that standing is not a tying a knot at the end of the rope to hang on, but it's a victorious stand. It's a stand in the, the overcoming uh, more than a conqueror victory that God has already provided for us in Christ. And then it says that we are to take the shield of faith in verse 16. And then verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we have on the armor and then we take other pieces, instruments, the shield, the helmet, and then our focus tonight is taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so this sword becomes a, 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 a resistance. It becomes a, an armament that provides a defense for us, a defensive uh, instrument or weapon. And so it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so we know from John chapter 17 and verse 17 that the word of God is truth. Jesus was speaking and he said, sanctify them. In his prayer to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. 
The word is truth. So we're holding the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and it is truth. And to understand truth, especially in this day and age, we've got to set it in a specific category because it is not a truth. It is the truth. It, it's, God's word is not a truth among many other truths. That you have your truth and I have my truth and this religion has a truth and this. No, no. God's word is the truth. It is the standard by which we determine what is, to, what is true and what is not true. And so it has to be in a category by itself. You know, in my house, I don't have the china in a place where we access it every day because it is set apart. My china is set apart, and we're not going to be putting hot dogs on my china, right? It is for special occasions, for special meals. It is a set-apart thing in my house because it, there's a standard for how we use it. Truth is set apart. We, we treat it differently we read it differently. We don't scroll through the highlighted portions like we're, like we're scrolling through an Instagram or a Facebook post, right? And just see, what did I highlight that I really liked, right? No, it is truth. And so I teach myself that when I come to the Word of God, it has a set-apart place in my life. It has a set-apart uh, um, influence over my life. It is truth. Because, you know, even when you're talking about a weapon, which we're, we're referring to God's word as a weapon for us, when you, when you have a weapon, you don't leave that weapon lying around. You don't leave that weapon in a place where children could get a hold of it. You have special rules about how we uh, handle the weapon, right? Well, the word of God, it is truth. And when it, for it to be effective in my life, I have to have that set-apart way of approaching it. I have to have a way of receiving it that it's not I can take it or leave it. I don't want to do that part, but I'll do this part. No, this is truth, and it governs my life. And if I see it in the word, I need to know it's got to be applied to my life. It's not something I can be opinionated about if I see it in the word. Because the word of God is not God's opinion. His thoughts are contained in the word, but, but opinions, I, I don't think any of God's thoughts, we could say God has a perception, but when we think about opinions, we think about something that is just to that person. But, but God's word, it goes beyond opinion and becomes truth. It's truth. And the way that we approach it is, is as the truth of God that I'm going to receive into my life. And then I am going to set it as a standard in my life. And then I am going to use it as God has made available for me for me to be able to resist those things that are unlawfully violating my life. Amen? So Hebrews chapter 4, let's go to verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Now I, I know to many of us, this, these are, are scriptures that we're familiar with. 
We've been feeding on the importance of God's word, but it's one of the uh, truths that will never reach a place where it becomes old to us, where, where I no longer need to feed on that because the word of God is uh, living. 4.12 says the word of God is quick. The King James uses this word quick or quickening is another way to describe this word. Uh, it is alive, the Amplified says. The word of God is alive. It is quickening. So it's not just a book. We have it contained in a book, but the, the word of God is not just a book. The Bible's not just a book. It is alive. The word is alive. Thankfully, we do have it in, in a form, a book form, so that we can each take a copy of it home. <laughs> But it is alive, and when we take it out of the page and put it into the heart, then it changes into the force of the Word of God. And so it says it is alive and powerful. The Word of God is alive and powerful. The Amplified says full of power. One translation says full of power to achieve results. If you need results in your life, you know where to go find the result maker in your life. The Word of God will make results for you. But it has to be applied. It's not going to jump out of the pages of the book and start changing things in your, in your marriage. It's not going to just jump out of the pages of the book and give you patience to deal with your teenager. It's not just going to jump. You've got to bring it out and apply it. So it says it is full of power to achieve results. It's a living, active power. The Amplified continues. It says it's operative. The Word of God is operative. It will go to work in your situation. It will operate for you. If you've got sickness attack, attacking your body, the Word of God will operate for you. The Word of God will go in and operate on that. It, it will come against that and start working against that sickness in your body. The Word of God is operative. Whatever you're putting it against, whatever you're laying it upon, whatever you're taking the Word and just applying the Word to it, it's going to operate on that thing. So it says it's operative and effective, energizing and effective. So it's bringing the energy of God into my situation and it's affecting change in my situation. The Word of God will, will apply the energy of God, the healing energy, the patience-giving energy, the life-giving energy, the light that you need to make decisions by. It will apply that energizing effect of God on your circumstance. And then I think it's interesting in this same verse, it again refers to it as a weapon. It says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So that means when you step out into your situation and you've got the Word of God in your mouth, you are the one with the most powerful instrument in the battle. There's no weapon that the enemy can bring against you that is greater than the weapon that you are working in your mouth. The weapon that is coming out of your heart, your spirit, the sword of the spirit, coming out of your spirit, out of your mouth, is the sharpest sword in the battlefield. It is the most effective weapon on the battlefield. 
So that means you have the advantage over every circumstance, over every situation, no matter how bad it feels, no matter how bad it looks, no matter what the situation is threatening you that it's going to do to you, you have truth, you have the word, you have the life energy of God in your heart and in your mouth and you can bring it out and you can affect change. So that's why we don't walk by what we see because what I see is subject to change. I don't make decisions and life changing, life altering decisions by what I feel, by what they say. If, if I have the word that tells me something different than what I feel by what they say, I have the ability to change that situation and move it in the direction that God said it should be. Hallelujah. So the word of God is more powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. So the enemy may have threats and he may have symptoms that bring threats and he may have situations that that have 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 threats like Goliath had threats he, he may have circumstances that try to rise up and and bring you into a place of being intimidated but if you'll just pull up the shield of faith and pull out the sword of the spirit you have the power of God to stand against all the wiles of the devil and stand victorious, not just standing, trying to get some victory. You're standing in the victory, maintaining the victory, walking out the victory, experiencing the, I mean, victory in the battle. The battle's going on, but I've got the victory. I've got the victory no matter what I'm, because thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. But the stand of the word is a stand in the truth and it is an application of the word of God. I think it's interesting that Jesus himself is described in the book of Revelation chapter 1, uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Jesus is using the same weapon you're using. When the, when the enemy came against him in the wilderness, he used the same weapon that he gave you. He has given us his word because it works. He's given us his word. Jesus is the word made flesh. When we are operating in the word of God and using the word to stand against and to answer the enemy and to resist, then we are using the, the same identical weapon that Jesus uses. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So the word in our mouth is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, it has to be alive in your heart so that it can get in your mouth with faith-filled words. If you're just beginning, continue putting the word in your heart. It's the word that comes out of your heart into your mouth, not out of your mind into your mouth. 
not even, even reading it is necessary to get it in the heart, but we want to maintain a fullness in the heart. We want to keep pumping it in the heart, depositing it in the heart, putting it in the heart, because Matthew 12, 35 tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We've got to get it in abundance in the heart. We've got to, we've got to recognize that it is from the faith-filled words, faith-filled words. Words don't move mountains. Faith doesn't move mountains. Faith-filled words. He said, if anybody would say and believe and not doubt, but say these words to that mountain, those are faith-filled words. It's not faith. It's not words. It's the two combined together that every word that's coming out of my mouth has faith in it, that I've got a supply to bring forth out of my spirit and speak it out of my mouth. And that is not automatic. You've got to purposefully put it in your heart so that it can be drawn out when you need to be able to draw it. It says the good man or woman out of the good treasure of their heart brings forth good. Well, if I haven't deposited it, I can't bring it forth. It has to be first deposited and so the wisdom that we're walking in as Proverbs 31 ladies is we learn I need to have a constant supply of the word going in. I don't need to have any kind of fear or worry that's going to drain the word that I'm trying to load into my heart. I don't want any leakage, leakage of worry, leakage of fear, leakage of anxiety. Why? Because we know that Jesus taught that the choked out word didn't have a harvest. That the cares of the world, the anxieties, the fretting, the worry, the, it came and it choked out the word. So the putting the word in also has to be accompanied by guarding my heart with all diligence for out of my heart flows the issues of life. If I'm not guarding my heart by casting down imaginations, if I am allowing all kinds of things in my eyes and in my ears that are putting into my heart worry and dread and fear and what are we going to do and what if this and I've got all of these questions kind of floating around in my heart that keep me uh, always going back to the circumstance, always returning to how the situation looks, then it is choking out the word that I have been taking the time and the effort to put into my heart. So I've got to accompany the hearing of the word and the feeding of the word of God with a guarding of the heart with all diligence. I've got to be casting down imaginations and everything that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And if we'll, listen, it, it doesn't have to be hard. It's not hard. Walking by faith is not hard. It's different when you first begin because before we learned to walk by faith. We walked by what we saw. We walked by what we felt. We walked in line. The Bible tells in Ephesians chapter 2 with the course of this world. The same flow they were flowing in. We had our bad hair days. We had our, our hump Wednesdays. We had our freaky Fridays. But then we come to Jesus and we got redeemed from freaky Friday. We got redeemed from hump day. Amen. 
And we say, I got to set that aside because I've got to be the same. I've got to be constant because I've got, I walk in victory every day. I can't have up and down. I, my family needs the peace of God. They don't need me being all grumpy one day and we don't know how mama's going to act. And, and if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. That should never be said of a Proverbs 31 woman. That should never be said. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Don't let that be spoken about you. Because we are governed by love. We are governed by peace. We are people of patience. We are, are, are growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? And because of that, it gives us a stability. It makes us stable people. Hallelujah. The, the importance of knowing that faith is not hard because a lot of people will throw in the proverbial towel and say, oh, it's just too hard walking by faith and I got to cast down imaginations and I got to guard my heart and I got to this. Well, the, the other option is destruction. <laughs> The other, I mean, to choose to say, I don't want to live by faith, it says that if we are living by the flesh, if we've got our minds governed by the flesh, the carnal mind is enmity against God, that we're, it's going to end up in destruction, things be falling apart. So it's not hard, but it just takes some practice. The more you do it, listen, renewing your mind, when, you, when I first started renewing my mind, Right after I had got saved, I had such a carnal mind. I had such a, a mind that was focused on uh, 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 my life of sin that it took a lot of cleaning out of the old before anything new could be set up as a foundation. So I had to go through that, that process. I had to go through that process. When I first moved to Kansas City, I ended up, my husband and I, this was a, a number of years ago, uh, uh, over 20 some odd years ago, I went to work at a management company and I would clean out houses after people had moved out. And then I would paint and clean them to get ready for the next tenant. And usually it was people who left a lot of trash behind or they got evicted and left a lot of stuff behind. And so, I would generally have to spend an entire day, sometimes two days, and a whole box of trash bags cleaning out the mess that the people had left behind. You know, they did not want their deposit, evidently, because they left a mess. <laughs> and I would just go through and just bag up tr all that trash and spend an entire day just bagging up trash and dragging it out for the, you know, to the front curb for the trash man. And then, after I got it all out, then I could start cleaning what needed to be cleaned, making the prep to get ready to paint everything. When we first get saved, we've got all that wrong thinking, wrong ideas that has to be trashed out. We have to just say, that's wrong thinking, that's wrong thinking. I can't act that way anymore. I can't get the last word in. I've got to, have, I've got to quit this arguing and just trash it all out and then let the Word of God come in and cleanse the water of the Word, cleaning all that wrong thinking and establishing the right thinking. Amen? And that's, that's, but after 
I did that initial cleaning out and establishing the right, if I'll just maintain it, it's not hard. If I just maintain and recognize, okay, I don't want to watch that because they're going to use the Lord's name in vain. And I don't want to watch that because it's going to uh, have images of fear in it. So I, I guard my heart, I make wise decisions, and I put my mind on things that are above. Amen? Amen. But I, it's not hard. And it doesn't take as much effort as it did when I first got started renewing my mind. The same is true about walking in faith. As we learn to walk in faith and we gain skill in walking in faith, it becomes a natural reaction for us to use the word against things that violate our covenant rights. Amen? The word holds the highest authority. The word of God holds the highest authority. I think it's interesting that Psalm 138 and verse 2 identifies that God has even exalted or magnified his word above his name. It says this in Psalm 138 and verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. But when we recognize Jesus is the word, the Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, before he came into the earth as a man, existed as the word of God. The second person of the Godhead, the Word of God. And so he was given a name, Philippians chapter 2 says. He is the Word, but he was given a name. So it is not uh, very far-fetched to see how God has exalted his Word above his name. Jesus is the Word, and Jesus has been given a name which is above every name. Amen? So the word, Jesus, the word holds the highest authority in the universe. Heaven and earth will pass away. How many times is that in the scripture? We see it in, in all of the gospels. Heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word shall never pass away. Heaven and earth, I depend. I, I walk out in the morning and I expect to see the sky above my head, don't you? Now, I expect when I get out of bed in the morning for there to be earth beneath my feet, right? But one day, that, that's not eternal. Heaven and earth are not eternal. Amen? We're going to get a new earth. Praise the Lord. And a glorified body. Amen, amen. So heaven and earth shall pass away. As much as we consider them stable, they're not as stable as God's Word. God's Word is more stable than the earth that we are living on and the heavens above our head. God's Word is more stable, more dependable. You can build your life on the Word of God. You can establish your marriage on the Word of God. Amen? So the Word of God is magnified or in the highest position of authority. 
Hebrews chapter 1 says it this way in verse 3. And I'm going to ask if you'll put the Amplified on the screen for us. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says, speaking of Jesus, He is the sole expression of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. By his mighty word of power. Hallelujah. He is upholding every moment. We don't even have to use our faith for it. We don't even have to, have to consider it or think about it, on a, a, it when you get up in the morning. Is that going to work today? Is his word going to be upholding this for me? It is upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling. Do you see the energy? Do you see the activity of the Word? The Word of God isn't just sitting silently by. The Word of God isn't just biding time. The Word of God is constantly at work in the situations it's been assigned to. God gave an assignment and light has never slowed down. God gave light a command and light has never hiccuped hesitated or slowed in its speed. It is still obeying the command of God. And everything that exists in our lives originated or came from or, or was birthed out of the Word of God. That means everything will respond to the Word if you'll put the Word on it. Every area of your life, every area of your body, every area, if you'll, if, you, if you'll apply the word to it, it will affect change in that situation because every natural thing originated from the word. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 and verse 18. Thank you, Lord, for your word. For the stability of your word. Psalm 119 and verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your word is settled. It means to stand firm. Your word stands firm in the heaven. It is established or stationed in the heaven. Hallelujah. It is established in heaven and we as citizens of heaven can establish it in our life as well. We are the establishing witness. The word again, it's not going to automatically go to work just because you receive Jesus as Savior. It is automatically available to you now. But then we have to choose to pull that word out and apply it to the situation to specifically authorize the authority of that word. It is settled in heaven. It is fixed in heaven. It is secure, stationed in heaven. And we can settle it in our life. 
We can establish it in our life. We can take the word of God and we can set it up as the foundation of our life by being a doer of the word. We can authorize it by putting it in our heart and bringing it and declaring it out of our mouth, authorizing it to go to work in our situation. And we can build our lives. You can be a word-built woman. You know, they say built Ford, Ford tough. How about just be built word tough? Be built word strong. Be built by the word. Let the word of God build you from the inside out. And if the, if, when the word is settled in heaven, if the word causes this stability and this immovability in our lives, then as we establish our lives in the word of God, we shall not be moved. We won't be moved by the winds. Isn't that what Ephesians 4 is speaking of? That we would grow and mature in the word of God so that we would not be like children tossed to and fro by winds of doctrine? That we would be built in the word, established in the word, secured, fastened in the word, and the word fastened in us. Amen? Hallelujah. The word is forever settled in heaven. And then Isaiah 55 says this of the word. Isaiah 55, we'll begin in verse 9. Thank you. Praise God. The word is good. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's not making a comparison for the purpose of saying, I'm so much higher that you can't reach me. That's not what he's saying. It began a few verses back by saying, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous, forsake his thoughts and the unrighteous man his ways. Forsake them and he's offering his thoughts and his ways to us. He is saying, my ways are higher and I'm offering you a ticket to the highway. I'm offering you an on-ramp onto the highway. I'm, I'm offering you an entrance into my way of thinking, my way of doing. Where are his ways and his thoughts found for us? In his word. That's what he goes on to say. He says, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. My word will work like the rain that comes down from heaven and forces the earth to bring forth. It makes it bring forth in bud. It, it affects change in that situation and says you are going to grow. You are going to change. You're going to bring forth what you're supposed to bring forth. You're going to function the way you are designed to function. Do you have an organ in your body that's trying not to function the way God designed it to function? Put the word on it. Put the word on it. You will operate the way you were created. God created the seeing eye and the hearing ear. He, did, he created them to see and to hear. Amen? Fearfully and wonderfully made. You will function the way God created for you to function. Hallelujah. 
So it, he says, so shall my word be. My word will be like the rain that comes down. The rain that comes down and the snow, it does not return as rain and snow. It returns in a different form. It returns after it has accomplished its purpose. The word of God will accomplish the purpose of God before it returns to him in the form of thanksgiving. It, we return it back as thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that your word turned that situation. Thank you, Lord, for how you saved my grandchildren. Thank you, Lord, for how you brought me out. Thank you, Lord, for how you put my marriage back together. Thank you, Lord, for how you turned that financial situation. Thank you, Lord, for your favor on my job. Amen. But it has already brought such a harvest in my life. It's producing thanksgiving out of me. Amen. Hallelujah. So the word, it says, the word is like the rain that makes the earth bring forth in bud. The word, when you begin to, to water your life with the word of God by putting it in your heart and in your mouth, you begin to speak it out over your situation. It's causing that situation to produce what God commanded it to produce. He says the word will make it bring forth and bud. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Is anybody in here bought by the blood of Jesus? Yes. The Bible says you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Yes. That means if you are not your own, whose are you? We belong to him. He purchased us. He purchased us. So my mouth is no longer my mouth. Especially when I'm sanctifying my life to God and I set myself apart for his purpose. My mouth is now his mouth. And when his word is in this mouth, it's his word in his mouth because this mouth is a blood-bought mouth. Amen. Amen. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. That's confidence, isn't it? God's confidence, uh, he's very confident about how his word will behave for him. And he wants you to have that same confidence. Amen. He wants you to be able to stand up and say, God's word will not return unto me void. It will accomplish what I send it to do. He, he, that's his desire that we would have that same boldness with his word that he has. That we would be so confident that God's word, it is impossible for God's word to return empty. When I speak it out of my mouth, it will accomplish what God sent it to do. Amen? It will accomplish, and then it says, it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now, we look at that word prosper and we define that in our, our idea, but the original word from the Hebrew says this, it will push forward, push forward, the, it will push forward. So prosper, we're, we're thinking increase growth and that he says it will push forward. It will prosper in the thing I send it to. It will push forward. The second definition is break out. When, the, when finances, the enemy's trying to put a limit on your finances, the word of God will push forward and break you out of that limiting circumstance. It'll break you out of that thing that's trying to hold you back. 
It says that it will push forward, it will break out. The word prosper also means to come mightily against. To come mightily against. So when symptoms are coming against your body and you begin to pull the word up out of your spirit, out through your mouth, it is coming against those, uh, that attack in your body. It's coming against that, that situation. It, it's going to come against it with the might of God. It's come, come against it with force and with power to offer a resistance to it. That's why we've got to look at the word as our equipment to resist whatever violates our covenant. You've got to know your covenant and you've got to be bold enough to say, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's not going to go that way. If, if we don't say something to turn it, we're, we're not bringing any standard against whatever's come against our life. We're not bringing any resistance to it. We've got to vocally... And with the authority that's ours in Jesus' name, stand against that thing, and we've got to resist it with the word. Hallelujah. Because if, if the situation is left unresisted, it will gain momentum and continue expanding in our lives. We, we've got to learn how to immediately recognize and begin... Turning it in a different direction. No, no, that's not going to happen. It begins, but it has to be spoken out of your mouth. Amen? So he says here, it will prosper. It will push forward, break out, come mightily against. And the last definition I have is to go over. To go over. So it will not only pull up a barrier wall against that, but it'll take you over the situation. To take you over. Hallelujah. The word that comes out of the mouth. The word that goes forth out of my mouth. The word coming from the heart through the mouth is an energizing word. It's an effective word. It's a life-changing word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you remember ever hearing Brother Hagin tell the story? He says that he was in a parsonage uh, in Texas. He was not the pastor. He was there visiting, but he had went into their church to pray. And he said, I had just been reading through Mark, and I started at chapter 1. I read all the way through to Mark chapter 16, and I was done, and I just kind of sat back on the floor, and I was thinking about the Great Commission right there at the end of Mark chapter 16, when out of the blue... The Lord said to him, did you notice in chapter 11 that I said, say three times in relation to the believer and believe once? And Brother Hagin said, no, I've never noticed that, Lord. And he said, so I had my Bible open right at chapter 16, so I just went back a few verses, a few chapters. And I, I read, and he said, if you've ever heard Brother Hagin tell it, I love because he says, he tells it that way every time. He says, so I started counting. And I, 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 I counted out loud, and I used my fingers. And so he, he's reading through here in Mark chapter 11, have faith in God, and verse 23 he says, okay, 
Hallelujah. He says, Verily I say unto you, that's not pertaining to the believers, so he says we're not going to count that, that whosoever shall say, so he holds up one finger, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe. And then he would hold up his other hand with one finger, and he would say, believe one time as pertaining to the believer. Believe that those things which he saith, there's number two, saith as pertaining to the believer shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith that's three times and he said lord you're right i've never thought about that i've never thought about that and then the lord said to him that's why you're going to have to do three times as much teaching about the saying part of faith and then he said for the most part, my people are not missing it in the believing. They're missing it in the saying. If that was true then, I wonder how true that would be for us today. If that was true back, I think that was 1954 that he refers to that incident. How, much, how true would that be for us today? Three times as much of the speaking part. Speaking it out of our mouth. It has to be a lifestyle. It's not just for a time. It's not just to read it out of a book, a confession out of a book. And we, that's a good help to us. But it's not the, 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 the purpose of that is to get it in the heart, is to help meditate on it until it becomes a, a deposit in my heart. Hallelujah. So he said three times as much emphasis for, for us as believers, we could say, I need to give three times as much of an emphasis to the speaking so that I'm speaking it out of my mouth. I am, I am saying it and giving that, that voice, that authorization to the Word of God. The, um, the book that Charles Capps wrote about God's creative power started because he um, was instructed by God to go find scriptures. He, was, he had made a business deal and it had gone negative because it wasn't the will of God. He, he entered into a partnership and he went upside down financially and lost a large amount of money. He said, it caused me to turn negative in my believing and I would begin to say he had been farming. I mean, a commercial farmer since he had graduated from high school and he was very successful. He said, I was a good farmer. And now that he had turned negative, he started saying things like, um, I'm watching see, I'll just plant the wrong. I'll plant and it'll come a rain or I'll plant too low in the ground and it'll come a frost. And then he, he said, I just spoke the negative so much that it conditioned my heart to make the wrong decisions. And he said, I worked, I farmed for an entire year and didn't make enough money to pay for my driver's license renewal. On my, you know, to go get $12 to renew your license or whatever. He said, all year long, all of that work, I did not make any money because of the negativity. And he said, a man came by my house and he had some books with him and he offered some to me. You want any of these books? And he, he took one and it was Right and Wrong Thinking by uh, Brother Hagin. And he said, 
He had been raised in church, had been in full gospel uh, church all of his life. He said, I believed in tithing. I was tithing during that time. He said, I believed in, I was in church. I was teaching Sunday school in church. He was, but he, he wasn't working the word from that perspective. And so he, he opened this book and it says, if a person thinks wrong, and I'm, I'm not using it verbatim, and I'm just, he said, Brother Hagen in the book said, if you think wrong, you're going to believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, you're going to act wrong. And he said, it's, it just opened my eyes. And so he said, I ordered another book off of, uh, from his, his uh, called and ordered uh, some other books of Brother Hagen because he said, I'd never known Mark 11 was even in the Bible. He said, I'd seen it, but I didn't know it said that. And so he began to kind of start in that direction, and he was praying one day. And he was telling the Lord, Lord, it's not working. I'm doing what you're saying, but it's not working. Lord, it's not working. It's not working. And the Lord said, what are you doing? And he said, I was offended that he did not know I was praying. <laughs> I'm praying, Lord. And the Lord said, no, you're complaining. And he said, don't pray about anything you can't believe me for. And he said, then, Lord, my prayer is going to be really short then. He said, take the scriptures, find the scriptures that you base your prayer, to base a prayer upon and take the time to think about that scripture, read that scripture, meditate that scripture, and then when faith comes, you come and ask me for it. So he took a yellow legal pad. And he wrote out the scriptures of the things that he needed and was believing God for. And when he would be out farming on his tractor, he would take a break and he would get off the tractor and he would walk those turn rows with that yellow legal pad of paper that he had written out and torn off the legal pad. He had it right there in his pocket. And he, he began speaking those. He said it took about a year and a half of me quoting that word for me to turn the situation, for there to come a faith in my heart that turned that situation. But then he had opportunities to teach and he would take those scriptures and he put, typed them out and would make copies of them and give them out. And Buddy Harrison said to him one day, we need to make a book. And, and that's how we have the access now that we have to the God's creative power. But I wanted to share something that the Lord told him. Uh, as he began ministering in the body of Christ to this, he says, uh, this is from his book, God's Creative Power, and I believe it's in um, the tongue, the creative force as well. It says, the body of Christ must begin to live in the authority of the word. To live in the authority of the word. And, and I'll tell you from my walk with God, you can gain skill in the authority of the word. It, it, you've got to main, you've got to keep working it until you see, I'm working this at a different level than I was working this 10 years ago, five years ago, even last year. Yeah. If you'll keep uh, taking the, the word, the authority of that word and putting it to work in your life, you'll see yourself gain momentum with it. He said the creative power, God's word is creative power. That creative power is produced or he would always say conceived in the heart, formed by the tongue, and released out of the mouth in word form. In August of 1973, the word of the Lord came to him and said this, 
If men would believe me, long prayers are not necessary. Just speaking the word will bring what you desire. Now again, you've got to gain skill in this. But just go ahead and just get started. Because every day it, you'll, you'll gain momentum in it. He said, speaking the word will bring what you desire. My creative power is given to man in word form. I have ceased for a time from my work and I have given man the book of my creative power. That power is still in my word. The power is still in the word. God's word hasn't, hasn't lessened in power. The word eternal, it, and God's word is eternal. The word eternal doesn't mean only, the only aspect of its definition is not live forever. The word eternal means never diminishing in power. Never losing value. Like the blood of Jesus, it will be just as valuable a million years from now as it is today. It will never lose value. So the word eternal means never diminishing in value, never diminishing in power. It is, it, the word in its definition means that it remains at that condition. So the word of God never loses any power. Every person on the face of this planet could access 1 Peter 2.24 at the same time and it will not become weaker if we all access the healing in 1 Peter 2.24 at the same moment in time. They're not going to have like a power shortage in heaven and say, 1 Peter 2.24 has gone offline. It's gone offline. We've lost power to 1 Peter 2.24. We need to get Scotty up here and bring it back online. No, it, the Word of God has, has it, 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 it is containing the power and enough power for all of us to access the power of that Word and it never diminishes in its ability. For the Word to be effective, man must speak it in faith. This is continuing what the Word of the Lord to him was. For the Word to be effective, man must speak it in faith. That's why we've got to get it in the heart and, and I cannot stress that enough to you. You have to have it coming out of your heart. The head, the mind does not produce faith. Faith is of the heart. Romans chapter 10 says faith is of the heart. So the mind, you can know it. And that's mental assent. And a lot of people are deceived because they know it. And they think because I know it, that's enough. But knowing the word is not sufficient. I've got to have a supply of faith of that word. I have to have it in my heart, not just in my... I need it in my mind to renew my mind so that my mind can cooperate with what the Spirit is telling me. But I've got to have it in my spirit, in my heart, where it will go through the combustion like the gasoline goes into the engine of your vehicle and it goes through a combustion process and produces the strength by which your vehicle moves down the road. The Word of God goes into our spirit and produces faith that comes into our words. And when we speak them out of our words, it has the God-creative ability within those words to affect change in the situation. But if I'm just pulling them out of my head, 
they're not, it's not the same. It's not coming from the place where it can stock up my words with faith, where I can infuse my words with faith. So it must be spoken in faith. The Lord said to Brother Caps, Jesus spoke it when he was on the earth, and as it worked then, so shall it work now. But it must be spoken by the body, talking about the body of Christ. Man must rise up and have dominion over the power of evil by my words. And then this touches my heart every time I read it. The Lord said, it is my greatest desire that my people create a better life by the spoken word. Don't you love that? It is my greatest desire that my people produce or create a better life by the spoken word. For my word has not lost its power just because it has been spoken once. It is equally as powerful today as when I said, let there be light. But for my word to be effective, man must speak it and that creative power will come forth performing what is spoken in faith. Well, that's what we read in Isaiah 55. The word will come forth and it will produce or affect what it is spoken or sent to. He said, my word is not void of power. My people are void of speech. Not you and I, because we're going to be doers of this word, aren't we? He said, they hear the word and they speak as the world speaks. They hear the world and speak as the world speaks. By observing circumstances, they've lost sight of my word. By observing circumstances, they've lost sight of my word. Guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart. Cast down imaginations. Why? Because they are, are strategically assigned to get you off the word. I mean, the parable of the sower is all about the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He came and he stole the ground that was sown by the wayside, the, the seed that was sown by the wayside soil. He killed the seed that was in the stony ground. He destroyed the harvest of what was in the, uh, the, with the, the ground that had the thorns and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. So he was stealing, killing, and destroying the word. He's coming for the word's sake. Because if he can keep the word out of the heart, he's, he's at the advantage. As long as I have the word, I have the advantage. Amen? So he says, the Lord said to Brother Caps here, he said, uh, by observing circumstances, they've lost sight of my word. They even speak what the enemy says, and they destroy their own inheritance by corrupt communication of fear and unbelief. No word of mine is void of power, only powerless when it is unspoken. As there is creative power in my spoken word, so there is evil power present in the words of the enemy to afflict and oppress everyone that speaks them. So the enemy has recognized how God has placed his power in his words to be able to prosper us. And to be able to give us victory and provision. He said the blessing is, uh, is, is uh, we can connect to the blessing by being hearers and doers of the word. Amen? Yes. If you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all these commands, 
the blessings will come on you and overtake you. So it was the hearing and the doing of the word that connected me to the blessing of God. Well, the enemy decided, I can, I'm going to copycat that. You know, he's not a creator. He's never created anything. He just takes what God has created and tries to, to, to twist or to bring a reciprocal of it to try to defeat us. And so he puts his thoughts and his words, and he said to Eve, did God say? Did God say? You shall not surely die. Oh, God's just trying to keep you from having any fun. He doesn't want you to eat the fruit of that uh, tree because he knows you'll have knowledge like him. And he put his power in those words. And when she hearkened to his words and acted on his words, they, she connected to them by the hearing and doing of them. So God says that people who are, are receiving the words of fear and unbelief are being affected by them. There is evil power present in the words of the enemy to afflict and oppress everyone that speaks them. So be not conformed, but be transformed in the body of faith, knowing that my words are alive every more. Believe, speak, and obtain that your joy might be full. So how interesting that we have the choice, that we can choose God's Word. What a privilege. What an honor that He has allowed us access to His words. That we have the ability to bring His words into our situation, and if we do, we bring Him into our situation. I remember, I, and I'm, I'm just going to tell this one example because it is probably for me, it's an extreme example, but it is one of the most heart-touching examples of how the Word of God can turn a situation. Uh, we know a pastor, he was a, a pastor for a number of years in Birmingham, Alabama, Pastor Scott Webb, and uh, he tells the story of a young family that was coming to his church. And they uh, had a little baby. And one day, the mother was cooking on the stove. She had the baby on the table in the car seat, uh, infant baby, in the, in, the, in the car seat on the table, you know, the, car, the carrier. And as she was cooking, the grease started to smoke and she was concerned that it was going to catch fire so the the door was open there and so she grabbed the grease to carry it out so it didn't smoke up the house and when she did that grease pan the entire skillet of that grease fell over onto this baby and melted the skin off of its body and so the church gets the phone call that this baby is in the burn unit at the hospital there in Birmingham. And they, of course, have a team that goes up and, and begins to pray with the family. And they're standing with the family. And, and the effect of the prayer was such because at first they were just, the, the baby was so unstable because of the severity of the burns that they weren't sure if the baby was going to make it just because 
it, it had been burned completely on its body. The skin melted off of its body. And so they, they were saying, you know, it looks really bad. They're not giving us any hope. They're telling us it's not going to make it. And, uh, the, and they said, well, ask the doctor what we need to happen. And they said, well, we need for these vitals to become stable. And, and they gave, you know, the specifics of what in the, the heart rate and the, the different things for the vitals. And so that's how they began to pray. They began to pray for the vitals to get stable. And then that, that turned. It wasn't something that happened overnight, but it, with each different thing that the doctor would come and say this, they, they would g begin joining together and praying over that situation. And so the baby stabilized, and they are now looking at what are we going to be able to do about the skin. And so they, they are looking for there's not enough skin to do a skin graft. They're looking, how are we going to help this baby get, it, it, live and, and survive? And they came to the parents and they said, this is impossible because the skin buds are gone. The burns were so deep that it took the skin buds. And they said, well, I don't understand. What, what do you mean? And they said, it's like if you went out to the front yard and you bulldozed down a foot and you took all the grass and all the roots and everything off there's no grass to grow back it's it's down so that it's beyond where the there was even a, any root system of grass this the wounds are so deep there are not even any skin buds for us to even provide it to grow back and they said they went back to the prayer team and they said, there's no skin buds. The doctors say it's hopeless. And they said, we need skin buds? We're going to believe for skin buds. And in this time, of course, they're using the scriptures that they know to use. And they're like, skin buds? Where, where are we going to find skin? How are we going to... What scripture? And the Lord led Pastor Webb's mother. She was on that prayer team and, and she the Lord led her to a scripture in the book of Job. Job 41 and verse 23. And the doctors are, are completely convinced that there is no hope because of the condition, but they pull this verse out that is not even talking about human skin, but the Lord brought this to them, and it says this, the flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. Can you show me the amplified? I, th I think there was one that called it the flakes of his skin or something to that. Can you show me what the amplified says? The folds of his flesh. Is that the amplified? The folds of his flesh cleave together. They are firm upon him and they cannot shake when he moves. They are the folds of his flesh. That's the verse that the Lord brought her to. It's actually talking about Leviathan in its context, but the Lord said, gave them that verse and they began to quote that verse. And when the doctor saw skin buds forming on that baby's flesh, they were amazed. And they knew 
This was God. But God gave them a word to stand with. There was prayer being released. We definitely recognize the importance of that. But God gave them a specific scripture to create what he needed to create. To stand against that impossible situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that's an extreme example, but what a, 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 a specific example. Specific. That child went on to play football, graduate high school, grew up and lived a normal life. They said, it, they said the damage was so, so bad that he would never live a normal life, but he did. Because God's word was, somebody was bold enough to take that word and begin speak it over that situation and confess it. I mean, Brother Hagen got off his deathbed with Mark eleven twenty three. Just one scripture. He didn't have anybody teaching him faith. He, except the Holy Spirit. He didn't have anybody. He was not even sure that it would work for him. He asked preachers to come and talk to him, and they wouldn't come. And when the one who did come was praying for his funeral. And so he had to take God at his word, and he got healed with Mark eleven twenty three. Hallelujah. So it's not that you have to know a lot of word if you'll just know how to work the Word. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the Word that you need. He'll lead you to the Word that you need. Hallelujah. He'll lead us to the Word that we need. He's faithful to that. If we'll, if we'll put ourselves in the Word, if we'll put ourselves in that place where we're saying, I'm going to depend on the Word. I'm looking to the Word for this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to know what the Word of God says about my situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.